Hello and welcome to the next episode of Creating Connections That Matter with Kim Dunn. I'm your host, Kim Dunn. I'm a psychologist. I've been working with children and adolescents for over 14 years and helping other psychologists for, I don't know, coming up to two or three years now with specifically with an online group that I run called Victorian Psychologist Networking Group. So welcome if this is the first time you've come across me and thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome and why getting rid of it or not experiencing it all is bad for you. And it's like anything we tend to think automatically of as being negative, like, oh, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome almost like it's a bad thing. But like anything, there's a flip side and there is a positive benefit of it. And I can almost guarantee if you're listening to this, you have experienced imposter syndrome at least once in your life, if not more than once. I know when I first graduated as a psychologist, I had this big time. And then when I became a mother and when I first went to uni. So it keeps popping up from time to time. Imposter syndrome is contextual. So in some areas of your life, you just feel, yeah, I've got this, I am so competent. And in other areas, there's quite a bit more doubt. So what is it? You know, it, it is been defined as psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and you have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. In other words, it describes a feeling when you're in a situation that you have an expectation that you know how to do things and that you can perform at a particular level when you're not really feeling ready for it. So I've got a secret. If you're waiting for imposter syndrome to disappear and that you're going to be ready for something, you might take a really, really long time because the benefit of imposter syndrome is that it creates a space that you question yourself um, you know you can it can perhaps be a curiosity but it's an openness it's that ongoing sense that perhaps you can do better and when you're in a profession where continued professional development is highlighted and is made a priority well that's an acknowledgement that there's always more to learn there's always better ways of doing things and ways of improving things but just because there's always more to learn, it doesn't mean what you're doing is not good enough. And being good enough is what counts. All right. So the other thing it ties with that I'm going to talk about is burnout. Okay. And burnout is what we want to avoid. Mm -hmm. I want you to survive and thrive, not Get into the profession and five years later turn around and go yeah i cannot cope with this this just does not work for me i'm overwhelmed i'm exhausted i just want out give me a job in coals as a checkout chick and i will be happy <laughs> okay because you found yourself layer upon layer of stress okay so burnout is feeling that exhaustion physical emotional exhaustion of it just all being too much and it happens when we're 
involved in things over a period of time that are emotionally demanding. So as a caregiver, as a psychologist, as a mental health professional, where you are working in a profession that is emotionally demanding, if you're not doing something to counteract that, you're on a, you're on a road to burnout. It's as simple as that. So we have imposter syndrome on the one hand saying, maybe there's more to learn here. Maybe you don't know it all. And if we can frame that in a positive way as a reminder that um, there are things we can do to help us, we don't have all the answers and we don't have to do it all by ourselves, that can help counteract that we must do everything by ourselves. It's all too much. I can't cope. I don't have the resources. So bear with me, stay with me, because I'm just going to take you through a couple of steps that show you how imposter syndrome can help you prevent burnout and why we want it. Just imagine you have no imposter syndrome. You have no doubt at all that you are doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. You are 100% on track, nothing to learn, move along here, nothing to see. What happens when you hit a wall because you are exhausted because you thought you knew it all and had it all and can do it all yourself. We're going to avoid that. So when I first graduated, yes, I was overwhelmed and it took me years to feel comfortable saying as I was a psychologist, but the tricky thing here and one of the things that really led to early career burnout, um, was just doing too many assessments. It was an inability to set the boundaries to say no. Now I got there, I did get there and I was able to go, well, no, I'm not doing them anymore. But I had to get there by myself. There was no one who went, this is too much for you. We talk about a badge of honour in, in not saying no, into going, yep, I can do this, I can handle it. I'm a professional, bring it on. I remember staring at a spreadsheet and it had 20 to 25 assessments in various stages of um, completion, whether it was I'd finished the assessment or I was halfway through, I'd started the report, I was waiting on information, it was ready for proofreading. It was all different things to keep track of in a spreadsheet, 20 to 25. Now, looking back now, I, go, I mean, that was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And in that particular case, I was fighting my imposter syndrome. I wanted to prove that I could do this. But if I was to work with the imposter syndrome and sit down, reframe it, this is what we might get. All right, so let's have a look at some of these biggest emotions. First step, identify your stress, identify your (laughs) points of overwhelm, sit down with your imposter syndrome and listen to it. What's it telling you that you're not good enough? Where are the areas it's telling you you have to prove yourself? Let it guide you into doing a reality check. Yeah. What are your strengths, talents? What are the obstacles? Are they real? If I was to do go back to my past self and 
sat down and listened to the imposter syndrome saying, you're a professional, you can do this, you've got this. I would listen and then I would go, okay, you know, you're right, I can do this. But I don't know whether I should, whether it's the best thing for me to do. Um, so isn't it interesting that you, this voice, your imposter syndrome, is telling me I must do more, right? Because at this point, it's like if you're sitting down with a friend, the friend may bring these things up to you and then you can go, well, hang on. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's real. I have the ability, I have the skill, and I can make a choice that this is too much for me and I'm going to set my boundary. But thank you, imposter syndrome, for making me aware of my thoughts and where this is leading me and the pickle this is um, causing me. So that's one way that you can work with your imposter syndrome, sitting down. And that's the key. We want to listen and use that curiosity and openness that it's um, giving us space to do. But just because you listen to it doesn't mean you have to do everything. You have a choice about what to act on. Mm -hmm. All right. And that, that is the key. We listen, we bring that awareness to our actions and we hold them up to the mirror. Partly what you're doing is you're doing a bit of a SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threat, which is good business sense. And if you're working for yourself, your imposter syndrome is a bit like your business partner going, all right, what's going on here? <laughs> all right, so the second point is um, if we look at the doubt, We've looked at doubt, let's look at fear. So if you're scared of being found out as a fraud, this can really open the opportunity for deeper connection with your network. All right. Who do you trust to talk to? Test your connections, shake them up. Who is there who can sit with your vulnerabilities as a practitioner and as a professional without judgment? And this can really lead to deeper connections. So I'll give you that practical example. When I was sitting there with all those reports to do, um, I didn't want to accept that I, I couldn't do this. My supervisor at the time was also the person who paid me, who um, I was subcontracting for. It was in a really, really awkward situation to have a conversation with them about my boundaries and capabilities, particularly being a new grad. If I was to sit with the imposter syndrome and realize that there was this fear here, the next step for me could have been, who can I talk to? Who can I do a reality check against? Who can I reality check this with? Who isn't responsible for me bringing money home? It's one of the silly anomalies that just doesn't work of having your boss as supervisor or particularly your only supervisor um, so by then seeking wisdom outside of this I was able to look at who I could trust for advice going through that process was difficult but it also provided me with some people in my networking who could help me prevent burnout 
right? because through providing support and feedback um, based on experience, it was another voice aside from the person who paid me. Okay. And third point, your imposter syndrome is giving you feedback that you are working outside your comfort zone. That's what it's doing. So if you're sitting down and listening to it, it's telling you that you're doing scary and different things. If you can reframe that fear as bravery, you can strengthen your courage and use it to stand up for yourself and set your boundaries. Okay. So if I'm sitting down listening to my imposter syndrome, tell me, if you can't do this, you're a fraud, okay, or you're doing something really scary here and I don't know whether you can do it, if I go, okay, well, I've done scary things before, I will survive this, so I'm going to do something scary again and stand up for myself and say, no, I'm not doing this anymore, okay? So I've listened, I don't accept what my imposter syndrome is saying, but I'm aware of it and I take that and use it as bravery. Okay? We are not, um, turning fear into bravery should not be a new concept for you as a mental health professional. And that's what you're doing. So using that, standing up for yourself, setting your boundaries and saying no. All right, so when you're listening, this awareness helps you move towards acceptance and action. So in summary, the steps are accepting your imposter syndrome, not telling it to go away, not ignoring it, not thinking you're any less of a person and as a professional because you're experiencing it. It's real and it's telling you that you are open to change, you are open to advice, so the aim is to listen, not let it overwhelm you, but just, you know, have it there with you as a business partner. So what I've noticed by going through this experience was to be mindful, to be mindful to make use of the imposter syndrome, to work with it. And if you do that, what's possible is you can have a deeper understanding of what you need to change, what you need to say yes and no to, what you need to lead, lean into. You can use it as a missing link mm -hmm. between where you are now and where you want to be and what's actually stopping that from happening. And if you do that, what, we want, what you can do is what we really want you to do, create a sustainable career, survive and thrive. Enjoy the career grow it any way you want, but make it sustainable for you. And if you don't, perhaps if you choose to ignore the imposter syndrome or to feel bad about having it and therefore ignoring it and not listening to it, denying it, it can be a shortcut to being overwhelmed, thinking you know it all and missing the signs and symptoms of what you need of not taking that opportunity to really tune into yourself and figure out what you need. All right? You can make your world either very small by not working with that fear, or you can try and make it really large, but ignore the signs and symptoms of overdoing it. So my tip 
which I really want to leave you with, is to take the time to reflect on how you're going and what you need. Make time for your self-care. Okay. Okay. I'd love to know what you think of this. Um, I do have a program, Essential Self-Care for Psychologists, which is also open to mental health professionals, obviously. And it's a DYO do a DIY program that um, you can do access anytime online. But I'm also think that I'm going to offer a group program on this sometime in March. I have run it before as a group program and I know it's a lot of fun. People get so much out of it. There you go. That's the end of the topic for today. It's, um, I think it's a really important and interesting topic to have if you have any questions comments thoughts don't hesitate to email me i'm always interested in people's experiences and how both imposter syndrome and burnout have impacted on your career so far and how you cope with these very very common phenomena all right thanks for listening and i will catch you next time bye